Masechet Nazirat Kaf He. We were talking about a case in the Mishnah of a woman who becomes a Nazira, designates money for her korbanot, and then her husband annuls it. So now she has this money that's sanctified money. And the Mishnah made a distinction between whether when she sanctified it, she just said, let's say it's $300, $100 each for, for each of the animals. Uh, if she just said, this $300 is for all my animals, uh, well, that's uh, one thing. That's called uh, setumim. In that case, you take all the money and you and they would donate it, uh, donate it for uh, commun- communal offerings, uh, gift, gift offerings for the Mizbeach. The same type that would be uh, given to the, to the Mizbeach uh, when uh, it's, uh, it's, it's idle. And so these uh, are just become communal voluntary offerings. That's Ipulul um, And whereas if I said, if she said that uh, this $100 is for the Ola, this is for the Khatat, this is for the Shelamim, well then that's a different story. Uh, the one that's for Ola, that's okay, because like an animal Ola, you can bring a voluntary Ola, so you buy an Ola and you give a regular Ola. The one for um, Shelamim, uh, you would buy an animal for Shelamim and it would be offered as a Shelamim, although the Shelamim would be somewhat like a regular Shelamim and somewhat like a Shelamim of a Nazir. Whereas the Khatat is the biggest difference because you can't just bring a voluntary Khatat. So the Khatat offering, you have to leave it to die of starvation. Um, so the, uh, that's if you have an animal. If it's money, you have to throw it into the Dead Sea, destroy it. Okay, so that, and that's, that's if you did specify. All right, now here's our question. You said that if you have unspecified funds, unallocated funds, then it all goes to voluntary communal offerings. Hold on. A hundred of the three hundred is surely for a hatat. Although you didn't specify that this hundred is for a hatat and that hundred is for shalamim. Nevertheless, within the three hundred, part of it is for hatat. So who says that you can take unallocated money, uh, even though some of it will eventually be for hatat? Who said that you can use that? for voluntary offerings. Uh, we're going to have two answers. Amar Biochanan Halachahi Benazir. Biochanan says, you're right, this is just a special halacha in Nazir. It's an oral tradition that for, for a Nazir, different from other things, because um, if you, as long as you didn't specify what the money is going for, so it doesn't take, the, take effect that it's uh, specifically khatat yet. And therefore, you can use it for voluntary offerings. All right. Because this pasuk compares neder to nedava. And lecho, what do you mean? Uh, all nedarim. It means, and we already have pasukim in the beginning of Aikra that give us the, the details of every every law and everything. So what, is, what are these pasukim coming to add? Oh, anything that you have made a neder and it's superfluous, superfluous because she's no longer a nezira, so she doesn't have to bring these these animals. She doesn't have to use this money. What do you do with it? Lechol nidvotam, use it for a nedava. So Torah says, motar neder, any surplus and funds uh, or animals for that you had because of a vow, like a vow of nezirut. That goes to a nedava. So, whereas Rabbi Yochanan says, this is simply a lacha special to Nazir, that Shakish says, no, actually, it comes from a pasuk and would apply to uh, any case where you have this kind of superfluous funds, that it goes to a nedava. Good. 
Now let's test out each of these claims. Since said, this is a particular uh, exception that the oral law gives us for a nazir. Therefore, we can understand why if it's um, uh, unspecified funds, then it goes to uh, the uh, it goes to nedava. Whereas if I specified this hundred dollars is for hatat, then not so. That's part of the oral tradition. It said this only applies to unspecified, doesn't, spe- doesn't affect specified. Fine, that makes sense. But you, Rashakish, you're learning it from Pasuk. This Pasuk doesn't say anything about uh, whether it's specified or unspecified. So why are you saying only if it's unspecified, even if I specified it, since you're learning it from here, so call Nidrahem, I made a vow, and I said this hundred dollars is specified for Hatat, but now it's superfluous, so let it be a Nidava also. Why would why would the Mishnah make a distinction? If it if we follow your derivation, Rashakish, that's the question. Amarava, Meforashin Lamasit Amart, Kevar Pesaka. Rava says, I have an answer that uh, if you specified it, then you cannot apply that pasuk because we have another tradition that will counter it. Um, and this tradition was ruled on, was taught in a braita from the school of Rabbi Ishmael. Then this braita quotes a pasuk in Devarim that says, uh, uh, only, Rak is gonna, uh, we're gonna learn something from the word Rak, a limitation, Kadashecha, holy, uh, consecrated things, that Now this pasuk, I mean, in Peshat, Nedarim is, is giving a general rule that anything kadosh you have to bring to the Bet HaMikdash, to the one place, to Yerushalayim. Okay, um, uh, in the context of the Devarim, it's to the Mishkan, right, wherever it is. Okay, but here, um, the, the rabbi is saying, okay, all this, all these pesukim and devarim, what are they coming to add that, uh, that we don't know already? And so since it says, asheri yulecha, that they are, and it's related to neder, oh, this must be referring to something that is, becomes consecrated as a result of some neder. Uh, not directly, but indirectly. And that could happen in two cases. One, veladek kadashim. If someone has a female shelamim uh, animal that's consecrated, and now, before I get a chance to sacrifice it, right, I'm taking it, I'm on my way to Yerushalayim, and the animal is pregnant and gives birth. What do I do with uh, this baby? Um, it's uh, it's also consecrated, but I can't use it for my shelamim vow because I have the mom, right? The mom is still good. I'm going to use the mom. What do I do with this? It's superfluous. So that's case one. And the second case is any sacred sac- sacred animal that I make a temura. I says, you know what? I don't want animal A. I want to switch it for animal B. And we know you're not allowed to do that. And if you do that, then both A and B are both uh, sanctified. Uh, so now B is going to be also superfluous because I already have A around. I don't need B to fulfill that vow. Um, so that's what we're talking about. Um, okay, so so the, all these things, what should you do with them? Let's continue reading on in the Pasuk. You should carry them and bring them to the place that Hashem will choose 
which eventually will be Yerushalayim. Good. So bring them to Yerushalayim. Fine. Now, what do I do with them in Yerushalayim? Yachol yalem lebet habechira v'yimna mehem mayim mazon b'shvir sheyamutu. Well, maybe it just means I have to bring them to the Temple Mount, but then I could put them there, and maybe I have to give them no food and no water, um, so so that they'll die of hunger, die of starvation, right? Like we could do with chatat. Um, so maybe that, maybe it just means I have to do it there. I have to bring it there, and I have to do that, um, let it die there. No, Tamud keep reading on in the Pasuk, right? It's all one continuous Pasuk here. Ve'asita olotecha habasar ve'hadam. You offer it, um, right? It's flesh, it's blood. You actually offer it on the altar. So we learn from here that um, if I have an animal that's specified, right, or coins that are specified, and they become superfluous, Right um, here, this this Beraita talks about two cases of it becoming superfluous because I tried to substitute it or because it gave birth. Um, but we'll learn the same thing for this woman who was Nizira, and now she's no longer Nizira because her husband annulled it, and now she has this money that is an animal or money that's specified. So what is she going to do with it? This pasuk tells you if it's specified, you have to bring an animal and sacrifice it. An ola or a shelamim. Lomar lecha keder shatan ohek beola nehog betumurata keder shatan ohek bishlamim nehog biv ladehem. And so applies to ola. Whatever you would do with an ola, if you or switch substitute it, then you have to do the same thing with animal B that you substituted it with. That is going to become a uh, also an ola. And whatever you do with shelamim, so too, if the shelamim gives birth to another to a baby, then you have to offer the baby also as a shelamim offering. Ola, by the way, can only be males, so you can never have an ola animal that gives birth to another. So that's why the then the that's why it gives an example of ola. It uses timura, and that's why for shelamim it can only um, uh, it can only use shelamim. So the the example for a valad, something that gives birth, can only be given uh, for a shelamim, um, whereas timura could be both. But the uh, one having a child could only be shelamim. So that's why it breaks it up in this way. Now, Yachol af velad hatat utmurat asham ken tamodomar rak tibred bishmael. This is the end of the Braita. Now, since I said all this by the time I got here, I understand that whenever you have a superfluous animal, you have to offer as a sacrifice. So that's true for Allah, it's true for Shalamim. So maybe it's also true for a hatat and asham. Um, if they have a child or they are uh, um, substituted, and now I have a superfluous one. No, the Pasuk says rak. Rak is a limitation word. This only applies to certain sacrifices and not others. And so that's the, the this is the Baraita of Rabbi Ishmael. And this, uh, this is Rava's answer <coughs> to the question that we had against Resh Lakish. Right, just a, a quick review. Uh, first, we were wondering, um, this uh, within the money, if you have unspecified funds, there's some khatat money in them. Who says you could take this unspecified funds? Some of it is going to be khatat and, and, and bring a korban for it. So Bilchanan says it's just a tradition. As Shakish learned it from Pasuk. But if you're learning from that Pasuk, then why distinguish between unspecified and specified? Maybe even specified funds. Uh, you should take any neder that's superfluous and make it 
a nedava? And our answer is that we learn it from this pasuk in Devarim, Rabbi Ishmael, uh, distinguished between shelamim and ola, that, yes, if it's superfluous, even if it's specified, then you you give it up, you you make it a sacrifice instead. But for chatat and asham, the word rak says no. If it's specified, you cannot take, you cannot do that. Okay, we're about to um, uh, we're about to see that chatat and asham actually will be treated differently. Uh, the chatat um, is you left to die uh, with no food, and uh, that, that that's because uh, you can't do anything with it. Asham, on the other hand, you'll let it graze till it gets a blemish. Um, and uh, after it gets a blemish, then you uh, take its value, you sell it, take its value, and buy a korban ola. Okay, um, so you can, you don't have to let it, you don't have to cause it to die. Uh, all right, so that was the answer from the Braita of Rabbi Ishmael. Continuing that Braita for a moment, Rabbi Akiva Omer Enosarich Harehu Omer Ashamhu Rabbi Akiva agrees with everything above. Including that the the word rak says hatat is different. Hatat, you can't bring a korban hatat if if it's superfluous. You have to let it die. But the word uh, for asham that we don't need the word rak to exclude asham because for asham we have in the main place where we learned about asham vayikra pereke it says asham who it is an asham meaning that we, we learn from there only it, the original animal that was designated for an asham, that one can be uh, sacrificed, but not a substitute. Right? If you substitute one uh, in asham for something else, then you, uh, then again, again, you let it um, graze, and then you buy a, an ola animal, and you do offer it. Um, but you don't need the word rak for an asham, because asham has its own pasuk. All right, good. So now we um, answered the question of Rashakish. We're going to analyze uh, a couple of sections of that Baraita that we just brought. So we're uh, going back in the Baraita where we had a Hava Amina uh, when we're wondering, okay, what do you do with a superfluous animal that is sanctified, but we don't need it for its original purpose? And so the Pasuk says, you bring it to, you bring it up to Jerusalem. Now we wondered at that point, we, we were going to freeze there in the, lo- in the logical step and said, well, maybe you bring it to Jerusalem, and all that means is that you you prevent, you don't give it any food or water until it dies, but you have to do it in Jerusalem. Who said it means that you actually have to also sacrifice it, that you can sacrifice it? That's why the rest of the Pasuk says, olotecha, that Ola and Shalamim, uh, you actually sacrifice it. All right, good. That's what that, so we needed this pasuk to teach us that. Now we're going to wonder, wait a second, why do we need this pasuk to, to teach us that you can sacrifice an olan shelamim? Um, after all, velad hatat, we have an oral tradition, halachal mshemisinai, that um, a, a hatat offering, that if a hatat has a child, and now it's a superfluous hatat, that you have to make it, let it die. Now, if there's an oral tradition specifically about chatat that you have to let it die, that implies that other types of sacrifices, you don't let them die. So if this hava amina is impossible, we're gonna, we end up uh, rejecting the hava amina because it says vasita olotecha, but the Gemara's question is, even without vasita olotecha, if it just says you have to take your ola and shelamim, that's superfluous, and bring them up to Jerusalem, 
Well, obviously, it's not to bring it to Jerusalem to die because that's for a korban hatat. It's oral tradition that only korban hatat that we, we that is done. So I would know it's not to die. Rather, it means to sacrifice. And so the answer is no. There is another hava amina. I could have thought I might have thought that you're right. In fact, all of them, if they're superfluous, have to die. The difference is that the oral tradition about hatat would comes to teach us that you could let it die anywhere. If I have a korban hatat that I designated in Tel Aviv. Uh, then and that becomes a, and now I don't need it anymore. I could let it die in Tel Aviv. I don't have to bring it to Jerusalem to let it die there. Um, uh, so I could do it at anywhere. Whereas the pasuk here in Devarim says, "Bring it to the Temple Mount." That's talking about other non-chatat animals. I have to bring it there and let it die. So, but I might have thought that all of them you have to let die, and that's why the pas- the rest of the pasuk says, "Vasita olotecha." No, if it's an olah offering, make it an olah offering. Shelamim. Bring it as a shelamim offering. Okay, so that takes that explains why we could have possibly had a hava amina that everything would uh, we would be brought to Jerusalem just to die there. All right, katane another part of the brayta. Yachol af velad hatat utmurat asham ken tamodomar rak lamali kera hilcheta gemirila. So uh, brayta also says maybe for uh, a, a child, sanctified child of a hatat or a rep- replacement for an asham. In other words, a superfluous hatat and asham. Maybe I would also say that like the Olan Shalamim, you can bring them to Jerusalem and offer them as a Hatat and Asham. That's why the Pasuk in Devarim starts with Rak. This law that you can sacrifice on the altar, a superfluous animal, only applies to some, Olan Shalamim, but not to Hatat and Asham. We have a question. Why do I need this Pasuk, this Rak? We already have a Halachalim Shemisinai that we just mentioned, that a sanctified child of a Korban Hatat uh, has to die. Uh, so we know that I'm not going to sacrifice it from the oral law. Whereas interest, interesting interplay, right? Because you have um, certain Pesukim uh, that we're assuming the extra word there, the word Rak, is coming to exclude something. But we also have the oral law. And so the oral law already excludes it. And so the, they have to work together, right? What you learn from the written law and from the oral law have to match up. And if the oral law tells you that there's something for a Chatat, then you wouldn't need the written law. It's interesting logic because in other places you say, well, I have this oral law. Where do I know it from, right? What's a hint? What's a, what's a derivation in the written law? So you might say, oh, the derivation is from Rak. Okay, but here, then Gemara is not taking that way. It's saying, no, it's, uh, it, this is a superfluous pasuk about a superfluous um, sanctified animal. And so the answer is, you're right. I wouldn't need, I don't need the word Rak to exclude the korban hatat, I would know that a korban hatat, that's superfluous, it has to has to be left to die. Um, so the word rak here is not teaching me any about, anything about korban hatat, but rather only about korban asham. Okay, uh, now we ask, asham na gemirila kol she'ilu bechatat meta ba'asham ro'eh. No, we have a halacha also we, that we know from the oral tradition about asham, uh, that anything that would, if in a similar instance, if you would take a hatat and it would be superfluous and you have to let it die, if an asham is in the same scenario, uh, like if you do a temura, uh, then um, uh, then also you should let it, you, then you should not let it die, but rather 
let it graze, get a blemish, and then take its value and buy an ola. Right? That's the equivalent thing you do. Now, so we also have a tradition about an asham that you don't actually sacrifice that very asham. So I don't need the word rak, not for hatat and not for asham. So why do I need the word rak? The answer is, If I had only the halacha, I would have thought, okay, yes, it's a halacha that a korban, a sham, you're not supposed to sacrifice it. But what if bidi avad, you did sacrifice that very, uh, that very animal that became superfluous as an asham? I might have thought then, if I had only the halacha, then I would say, well, there's no punishment for that. There's no, there's no, uh, um, you're not liable. Um, so therefore, we need a pasuk to say that you are liable because the pasuk says, rak, these animals, ola and shelamim, you bring as a sacrifice, but not, rak says, but not in asham. Therefore, if you do bring it, avad, you violated in asham. There's still no punishment for violating an aseh, but you are liable for uh, transgressing a misfat ase, and so that's why I have the word rak to add um, uh, to ex- add an extra level of liability uh, beyond the oral tradition. Good. Now, lastly, Rabbi Akiva Omer Enosari Chare Omer Asham Hu Bahavayato Yehe. So now we're going to ask the same thing that we just asked for Rabbi Ishmael. We're going to ask for Rabbi Akiva because Rabbi Akiva already said, "Hey, I don't need the word rak." To exclude an asham, because I can, I know that an asham can only be offered as is um, from the pasuk regarding asham in Vayikra Pereke says asham who only the original asham I can bring it as an asham, but some substitute a superfluous asham I cannot bring. So according to the Biakiva, why do I need the pasuk of Rak? We have an oral tradition for Khatat. We have an oral tradition for Asham. Um, that if it's a superfluous Asham, then it has to has to be uh, uh, you you let it uh, graze and buy an Ola instead with it. And here you can't give the same answer that the pasuk is coming to teach you a misfat that if you do uh, uh, vi- if you do violate then it's a misfat ase um, uh, you violate a misfat ase if you do offer it because here this just says asham hu it's not saying there's no positive misfat here and that's where you're learning the law of asham from so question to Akiba, since we have already have a halacha about asham why do you need this pasuk asham hu and the answer is hachaname you're right. Uh, I, I, I really know the law that Asham, you uh, take it out to graze. I know that from this oral tradition. And what is the Pasu coming to teach? As follows. To teach me something about what Rav said. Rav said, if you have an Asham that is designated to go and graze, in other words, it's a superfluous asham, and uh, so we can't offer it as is, so we let it graze, and then we get it gets a blemish, and we'll sell it and buy an ola. However, that's why you should do lechatechila. If bidiavad, you took that very superfluous asham animal, and you did shechita, and you offered it as an ola sacrifice, it's a valid sacrifice. Okay, that's what I've said. Now, tama dinitak, the only reason why it's a valid sacrifice 
is because it was an asham, but it's superfluous, and we already gave it to the farmer and said, here, take this and let it get a blemish, and then we'll, uh, we'll change it out, uh, sell it, and take its value for an ola. So that, that, that only in that case, you can bring it as, as, as an ola. But if it's a regular asham, and it's not superfluous, I actually need it for an asham, and then for some reason I brought it as an ola, that's no good. You cannot do that. It's an Ola sacrifice. You can't take an Ola and bring it as, you can't take an Asham and bring it as an Ola. How do I know? Because the Pasuk says, who, meaning, um, if it's an Asham and it currently is a kosher, valid Asham, I have to bring it as an Asham. I can't bring it as something different from what it was, de- from what it was designated. So that's, therefore, that's what the word Asham who means, that if it's an irregular good Asham, I have to bring it as Asham. Only, the oral tradition teaches that only if it's a superfluous asham, then um, uh, uh, then uh, uh, then avad. If I bring it as an ola, then it's still kosher. So we solve that problem as well, and we'll see more analysis of the um, sections of the Braita on the next stuff. Baruch Adonai Amen.